0: Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom.
1: Hello, Mr. Whitesides. Hello, Mr. Hellstrom. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. How about (laughs) yourself?
0: I'm doing all right. I cannot complain.
1: Good. Yes. Like I always say, we don't want to hear it anyway. That's, so, that's
0: probably quite true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just like life, stuff happens up and down. But uh,
0: yeah, everything's good. <laughs> Back forth, left right, up down, left and center. All right. So today, without any further ado, we are looking at part three. Part three. <laughs> part three. Can, can you count there, Joey? <laughs> no, I can't count. I'm holding up six fingers and then closing three at a time when I do that. All right, we are looking at part three of how to layer guitars when doing your shit in a recording to get a fuller sounds, pardon my French. So we have done the whole concept of two, the first two parts were kind of on the tracking side. Now we're moving on to part three and four, where we're going to be talking about the mixing side of everything that you've just tracked with all these different guitars and amps and pickups and all that kind of stuff. Is that correct? That is correct as I understand it. Fantastic. I'm feeling good now. He's amped, people. He's amped. Let's get ready to go. Let's do it. What are we talking first here?
1: Well, the first thing I think we need to touch on is we've we discussed in prior episodes how to track what kind of printing of effects, et cetera, that we're gonna do. And we may also even as a safety have a, a DI track of the guitar as well. Should we need to do any reamping? Yeah, we we're not really to talk
0: about we really didn't mention that though. I kind of hinted that it, at it having the A B box kind of thing.
1: But yeah. Yeah. But we're not gonna talk about reamping per se today. So no no but no but no, no. we've done that and we've imported all our tracks into our mixing session. And now we're gonna start with all the other fun stuff. Yeah. To kind of make it sound really, really nice and cool. So um when i sit down and do that let's say i mean if i'm part of the production team and i'm perhaps the engineer at the the guitar recording session i kind of have an idea where i want things to be but the first thing i would do um is essentially just listen back to what we have and
0: start making decisions on where i would like to hear certain parts sure But when you say you're listening back to the, what you have, does that mean you have like all your faders up at zero or at minus six or minus 18, where do you got them? And do you have everything on all at once? Um, yes, no, uh, (laughs) I I do Ah, have, that's just a good, that's like a, that's a general question. I mean, are you talking about, you're just listening to the guitars or do you have everything else up too? and what are you talking about?
1: No, generally, I will have everything else up too, Okay. And uh, yeah, it, just to, to sort of reacquaint myself with the song. Sure. You know, so, so hopefully there there's drums, there's bass, there's possibly keyboards, there's uh, probably vocals. Um, and, you know, when I'm doing that, obviously the only concern I'm thinking about uh, faders where they are is that I'm just not clipping stuff. Sure. I, I just yeah. want to have it. Th- I'm not worried about... Uh, exactly where placement are yet, Mm. but um, I'm trying to make decisions now on what are the most prominent parts? Mm -hmm. What's the driving part? uh, And what is a supporting
0: part? So when you say you're trying to make decisions on this, is this you (laughs) as the artist or you as the producer or you as a producer with an artist who should already know what their main parts are?
1: Um, at this point, I'm coming from the perspective of wearing the mix engineer hats, right? In uh, that, so and I say that in the sense that if if I've been part of the process, I'm obviously a little bit more familiar with it. Yep. But if it's a mix that is coming to me that I've had no input in before, I want to familiarize myself with what is there first and, and kind of get that um, fresh perspective on something and go. Those fresh perspectives, I think, can be really, really valuable Mm -hmm. uh, because we mentioned in the past episodes here that if you are part of the process from the the get-go, you have a preconceived notion. You're aware of what's going to happen. And um, there's also a chance of that demo-itis thing. (laughs) Demo-itis. Sneaking in, right? You're consciously or subconsciously comparing it to
0: the way that you might've heard it before. They need a vaccine for that.
1: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the only thing that um, I think you can do with that is to essentially stay away from it for a while, right? And stay that's away not from the sun? Certain... Yeah, uh, if you can, but, but that's, we don't necessarily always have that luxury, sure. right? So it's just, uh, but uh, th- that's what I'm doing first. And I'm, I'm trying to, get a feel for where I might want to place parts. Right, um, right, right. And I say place, not just level, but also like, is this going to be, uh, is this part hard left, hard right type of a thing? Is it a doubled part? Is this a supporting thing where, or is this a throw that's going to come out from a different angle
0: or whatever? So I'm, I'm making those decisions first. Okay. Do Does that mean you start everything up center and then you just start moving things left and right or?
1: Yeah, generally, okay. uh, unless I, I have a track that is, you know, it it might be named main guitar left, mm. that kind of thing, main guitar right. Th- then I will pan those anyway. But but generally, I start with things right down the middle uh, just to see what's there. Gotcha. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's what I do. And then I, I start thinking from there. Is this a, uh, let's say a part that is just doing a supportive hit on a certain chord that I wanna bring out, and that's why that was recorded, I will place that generally at the same part of panning where <laughs> the part it is supporting is. Mm. Uh, Does that make any kind of sense? Not really, but, but uh, I'll follow with you. <laughs> but, but let's say that there, there there's a main uh, rhythm guitar part that is hard right. Mm-hmm. and there might be a section of the song where another guitar is doubling just that part, just for effect, perhaps with a brighter sound or a cleaner sound like we talked about the prior podcasts, um, I will place that hard right as well so mm-hmm. that it, it's just there to kind of reinforce that part and not have that come out of left field somewhere. Okay. So I'm making those kind of decisions at that point. Gotcha. Um, I'm not thinking yet of uh any kind of like eq or anything yet i'm just Mm. kind of placing things level wise Mm -hmm. what what about you what
0: what, what's your approach when you do that generally if i have been involved with it from the (coughs) get-go as a producer or a recording engineer and i'm now switching hats to the mixing engineer situation or i'm getting a project that's I'm the mixing engineer. I'm hoping that things are properly labeled yes, and that people already have the ideas of where they're supposed to be in a concept of what they're doing when they've tracked it. Um, Generally speaking, I know when I'm creating a part as the artist, where it's supposed to go in the sonic field based on my cognitive dissonance in my head of what I've heard. Sure. Yeah, If that makes any sense. So in that regard, I start everything centered, like everything's up the middle. And then mm-hmm. as I look at the track names that I'm knowing, I start twisting knobs and pushing them into the positions that they're supposedly going to be in. And then I listen. I generally start most of my mixes where all of my tracks are at like a minus 6 dB on the channel fader uh-huh. so that I have room to move up and down. From where I'm at, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and that's just one of those things where I start getting levels and start doing the positionings, and also a lot of my positionings may end up being dependent upon the section of the song that I'm in, because more often right. than not, in the chorus, that's when things really get pushed out to the sides, and the verses maybe not so much.
1: Right. Yeah. So and uh, what what do you think could be some of the pitfalls if you have Um, let's say, you know, a verse part and you've left that soul guitar panned hard left or something like that.
0: Well, hopefully I have, if it's not another guitar to balance it, which is not what we're really talking about, I hopefully have another instrument that's supposed to balance that.
1: Yeah, because it can make the balance or the mix feel unbalanced, right? Tip-heavy. So no, it's,
0: it's, yeah, I'm going too yeah. far to the side. Oh, bring it back. Ah, Balance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. So that that's my general, like, where I'm beginning when I start placing the guitars in a mix. I, I have to be very aware of what other, my other instrumentation, what part of the song I'm in. Is there a notation already based on the concept of having planned ahead? As we had yeah. talked about in the yes. first part of this whole thing, to know where parts are supposed to go in the pre-planning process. Obviously, yeah. once you get to the, the stage of where you're placing things, maybe your plan didn't work quite as well and – Maybe where you thought you wanted to place it isn't the place it needs to be. So there is that thing that could happen. But generally speaking, the plan should be kind of stuck to up until a point where you realize, oh, this isn't working. And you change that plan. But that's how I would start. And of course, as you had mentioned as well, whether a part is supposed to be something that is more front and center or more supportive also changes like where things belong in the mix, which is why I talk about having the notes and planning it out and talking where it should be ahead of time.
1: Yeah. And I know we touched on this a little bit in the, um, preparing to mix episode, a few episodes back here, but, um, Please, please, please label things correctly.
0: That uh, helps the tracks. mixing engineers like you would not believe. Yeah, it,
1: I mean it, it's a long-standing joke, right? But you get a bunch. It's not of a joke. Boss. It's reality. But, yeah, but but it's like everything says everything is called audio one. It's
0: like <laughs> don't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, now you. Yeah, if you really, unless you really, really want to piss off the guy, right? Then knock yourself out. But then don't be mad if you don't get a. The best out of the the mix engineer, guy. Um, So, yeah, so placing things. um, Now, you mentioned how things would have been placed from the planning stages. Let's say that it's a, uh, I mentioned um, a band like Def Leppard and especially on the Hysteria record Mm. where there's a lot of this sort of, call and response type of thing with, with certain parts where yep. um, you might have things going, oh, left speaker, right speaker, that, that kind of thing. That, that would be uh, a really effective way. And you wanna know that you're, you're placing those correctly the way they were intended, where they were tracking. Hence so, the reason
0: for planning.
1: Yeah, and also there, you mentioned as well, but we should touch on it again, the, the communication with the artist or the producer that's right Uh, you open
0: up the window and you say hey did you mean to do it like this yeah (laughs) and
1: um yeah um so unless you're the artist doing it and you're the producer and you're wearing all those hats then you have that idea
0: but which um, we don't generally recommend but if you are
1: yeah yeah it's again the the fresh perspective is really um underestimated i think sometimes because it is very very easy to get um Tied into parts and 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 uh, just that preconceived notion that we have that this is the way I hear it. This, but but it might not be the best way. So yeah, sometimes just yeah. having a pr- fresh perspective. Well, hey, why don't you just do this and blah blah blah. Um, it, it can uh, it can really help. Yeah. All. So so once you've kind of placed things um, in the mix in the stereo field mm. where you want them. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your next go-to thing? Are you starting to now listen for things like EQ or compression or any of that kind of stuff?
0: I am. I'm I'm kind of weird like that. Although we didn't really touch on it too much in the tracking, I generally tend to set up my guitar sounds mm-hmm. using the old Al Schmidt version of doing things where you try to set up the sound as close to how you want that sound to be in the mix prior to getting to the next stage. And he did it by going into a room and manipulating a microphone until it was in the right spot. And all of a sudden, bingo, it just, you didn't have to EQ. You didn't have to do a whole lot. It was just there. So speaking of how we normally track things, because we did talk about amps in the last episode, What we didn't really mention was the use of software amps which we have which we have mentioned previously in other episodes that we use fairly extensively. And the yeah. nice thing about setting up software amplifiers is that you, you know, oftentimes if you have the plethora of everything with the cabinets that you can do it with the way that we've described it. Because I don't think we've actually gone – we should do an episode specifically about setting up software amps. I don't think we've that, actually done that. Episode. But it would be a good yeah. episode to do. And yeah. so in doing that, it would talk about how you would do it as a hardware amp or yeah, where you actually have the actual amplifier, cabinet, and mic arrangement that you would be using, or using the software amp, doing the exact same thing in the software. And so yeah. often I have hundreds, I don't know if they're hundreds, but it's certainly a lot. <laughs> <laughs> more I've than not, you ever need. I, more yeah. than I'll ever need. And I keep doing it and I keep creating more of guitar presets. And Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, I think you're you're the reigning world champion in guitar presets at this point. Yeah, Yeah, I want a gold medal for that shit, damn it. I want the Olympics of software presets. Anyway, uh, I have a ton of presets, and every one of those presets gets me a different sound. And so I have spent my... I have misspent youth of going through a lot <laughs> of tweaking amps and tweaking software amps to the point of knowing how to get that EQable like sound from arranging the mic on a cabinet in using an impulse response, uh, most often with a company called Redwires. Yeah. So, uh, that being said, I'm not often in need of doing a lot of EQing to the guitars that. I record as a recording engineer. Right. However, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that I don't, because sometimes in the span of a mix, I still have to do something to carve out a niche for a particular guitar sound. And since we're talking about layering guitars, one of the things that I tend to do is that I will have slightly different tonalities on each side of the spectrum when I'm doing a hard right, hard left, Uh, pan in addition to that if i'm doubling those guitars on each side or i'm panning them slightly differently i'm then going to take a little bit of eq to carve out differentialities between the guitars that are happening on the left and the right
1: right and in that
0: and in in, as like a couple weeks ago we were talking about the theme that i was working on yeah. And we had mentioned, oh, hey, you know, what are you doing? You're layering guitars, and you had yeah. mentioned something about the guitar sound. And I wrote back, and I think I chuckled about something about it because mm-hmm. they were two very distinctly different, layering. yeah, very different yeah, yeah. layers going on to make up the one sound that happened on a side. So, yeah. and that also in, that included using EQ to kind of carve it a little bit to to have the differentiation between the low end of one guitar layered doubled and layered with yet another guitar that was taking a little bit more of the high end and then combining the two together to get one full range sound on one side.
1: Yeah. So um, a couple of things I want to reiterate there that you're saying. We First of all, with uh, the Al Schmidt method there of trying to get it right at the source, um, obviously that, that takes a bit of experience from, from doing that, where, you know, that, well, I know this is going to be too much bottom end in the mix. I'm going sure. to have to do this. So, so you get to that point. Um They call also that
0: experience.
1: What, yeah. Um But what you also said there with um EQing or, or just changing the tone slightly to make it a bigger sound yeah. uh with are doubling, that's what we kind of touched on a little bit last, episode as well where yep. we said that it could be same amp family but you're eqing it a little bit so so th- that's the kind of thing that uh, that can just fill it out and a few episodes ago uh, we mentioned uh, the band anthrax how they had done on one of their late 90s album to get the massive wall of a guitar where i think they used three different guitars and you know basically tripled Left and triple right, just with slightly different sounds, but it just sounds like one big monster just coming at you. So monster. Very effectively uh doing that. So, but if you were to um actually, you know what? Let, let's step back one more thing. Because mm-hmm. you brought up um software amplification or, or software yep. emulations. Mm-hmm. Um I did if you if you are getting Let's say that you're not the tracking guy, mm-hmm. um, and somebody is giving you these tracks to do, and they've used emulation. I would very, very much like them to print the amp or the signal, just as they would any other guitar signal, right? If if they've just done an amp, I want them to print that emulation that they've used, because although I do have. Fair amounts, I may not have that plugin that they're using, right? And also, it helps me hear what they're going
0: for. Now, in yeah, a we skipped we we skipped a step there, going from the tracking yeah. to the mixing, because in a previous episode where we we're talking about mix prep, yes, right. you are bouncing out your sounds to go yeah. to the mix template. So I skipped that over. I glossed it. I didn't say anything yeah. about it, but I was assuming i was making the assumption and one should never assume so it was a bad assumption that yes i have printed the guitar tones that i tracked with right now
1: at this point as well i if i'm the mix engineer um i would really really like the di as well yes because if there are any issues with what's there i can now of sorts reamp, even though we're not gonna talk about reamping, but I can get, there was a project I did recently um, where I received both of those. It was great. I got the printed track and I had the DI and there was something that had happened in the conversion there and it just wasn't gonna go away. So I could take the DI, uh, dial up a sound that was very, very close to what was there and just kind of take care of that on the fly instead of having to go, hey, you gotta go ahead and re-up with this or <laughs> try to do something. So you have to
0: re-record uh, that shit.
1: Yeah. Um, but okay, so we've we got our tracks, we get them in the stereo field. We're starting to talk about EQ. Now, EQ, there's basically two ways we're doing this mm. as far as I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking of you're either sweetening something that is there, or you're correcting something that might be an issue and then there's a lot of cross-pollination there but um the first thing i would do is uh, during my initial listen through here i'm trying to listen for things that might be problem areas in in, in this case we're talking about guitar so Mm -hmm. in the guitars Mm -hmm. is there um is there not enough bottom end? Is there too much bottom end? Is there a harsh frequency, something that I might want to notch out or something or try to tame? So those are EQing issues that I would try to take care of before I even start getting into serious mixing. Yeah. You know? So so I try to do that. Um, and then once I'm at the again, air quote, final sort of mixing stage here, then I start thinking about sweetening things where it's, oh, I can make that pop out a little bit more if I add the oh, yeah. dB of 2K or right. something, right? Sure. Um, so that, that's how I tend to deal with EQ when it comes to to this type of situation. What What about you? If if there are issues, if you're not the one to track them and you know that, okay, this is the way I want them to sit, um,
0: it's pretty much the mention, same. I'm not going to disagree with anything you said.
1: Yeah. And um generally the the less I have to EQ, the happier I am, not because I'm working <laughs> not because I'm working less, but but that means that there's there are less issues with the audio yep. and the less issues there are, they things just tend to sound more natural. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you have to do something where you have to compensate for a metal guitar player not having any mid range in their tone, mm-hmm. it, it's just not going to be as good as if you're, you know, if you actually had a little bit of mid range in your in your tone when you're tracking. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So EQ. Um, now, what about? Well, actually, we we maybe we should even talk about if you have any favorite EQs to to work with on. Mm. Do you on have guitars? a favorite guitar EQ? I do well. Uh-oh. Not here. It comes.
0: Well, well, <laughs>
1: I, I do and I don't. It, let me. It's um. Let me say style of EQs. Style. Oh, uh, here we come. Um, I. If I'm correcting issues, mm-hmm. let's say if I have to notch something out, mm-hmm. um. I like something like an SSL style EQ. Right. When I would I would, essentially, boost. Um one band and sweep away with- with, with um, Boost
0: the, and the sweep. Point. That sounds yes. like a Karate Kid move.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Uh, and it's just as effective. All right. Uh, no, but then sweep, sweeping the- fre- Sweep the guitar. Do you have a problem that with frequency? that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I, I would sweep the frequency to find that, just where it really pokes out the yeah, oh, yeah. that there's that. And then, then obviously go back. So th- that's sort of like having as narrow band as possible that mm. I can get away with just to kind of get rid of that. So yep. I, I like something like that for that. I, I like um, a little bit more of a softer curve, mm. shall we say? Maybe like a, a Poltec or something like kind of that, that kind of EQ for sweetening things where I might bring up a little bit of, you know, high mids perhaps or um, possibly rolling off a little bit of the low end. So I, I tend to do more broader um, boosts and things like that, or, unless I'm creating, uh, or, or, or I'm trying to fix an issue. Sure, track. Gotcha. So, Yeah, I do think uh, we're both Logic users. I do think that the um, Logic EQ is great. The channel EQ is really, really good. Mm-hmm. I like that. A lot of people like, um, although I don't have it, what's the uh, Pro-Q, who is it that makes the- uh, Pro-Q? Pro? Would yeah. that be Filter? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people really like that one as well. I don't it have not, it, but yeah, the yeah. idea of being able to to sweep and solo certain bands can really help when you when you kind of sure. that kind of stuff in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not like I have like oh, I always use an BQ for my guitars or whatever. It's more the style of E Q that that I like to work with. What what I'm having. Sure, to
0: do. sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Me. Yeah. More often than not. Uh huh. Uh, my general go-to EQ is the Helios. Interesting. Yes, it is an emulation. Is that just on guitar? Or, uh, no. Or? Well, no. Actually, I find I saw more often than not the only time I'm using the Helios is on a guitar,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it, it it the the version that I'm using is an emulation by Universal Audio. Yeah. And I just for whatever reason I don't know if it's like a Because maybe Led Zeppelin used it. I have no idea. It it, it has no particular bearing on why I'm using it. I just happen to find that the way the Helios reacts to guitars more often than not is pretty damn nice. Yeah. And it's easy to use and it's 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 a very broad strokey kind of thing. So it's not meant for like fine-tuning, like, oh, there's a real problem in the 1.2k range of this guitar. If there's an issue like that, I then will grab the logic EQ and whew, notch that shit out. So yeah. but past the Helios, the next favorite plug that I tend to use on or EQ that I tend to use on guitars is the Poltec. Okay, yeah. and again, that's another broad, strokey EQE sure. thing. Beyond yeah. that, if if it's not one of those two, it's because there's this particular vibe that I've I've want out of a particular console vibe. So if it's a Neve yeah. vibe that I'm going for, I'm going to use a Neve EQ. If it's an SSL vibe, I'm going to use an SSL EQ. So mm-hmm. it comes down to. And that comes more from wanting the particular vibe than it is that the EQ is better because of whatever. It's because that's the vibe that seems to fit what I'm liking for the song. Does that make sense? Because each EQ does the same sort of thing. It's just whether or not the vibe that it imparts upon how it's doing it is the bigger thing. Yeah, That, I guess, is the better way of saying it. So. It comes down more to, am I recording this for a specific reason due to the vibe or is it because this is the one that I like best? And generally speaking for guitars, I tend to like the Helios, but then I have Helios, I have Poltec I have Neve, I have yeah. SSL. So I go through all that.
1: Yeah, but I think it's, yeah, it's important to um, point out, though, I think that a lot of times it's also using the gear that you're really comfortable with. Right. If you know how a certain EQ reacts and how to get the most out of that, where you can get the result just the quickest. Sure. I mean, th- there is the, the, you know, the, the, uh, I mean, a Neve EQ will sound different than an SSL type of EQ, but, but it's whatever you're used to working with. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, um, I don't think anybody's, Ever
1: nobody's going you to know, gonna know a, the
0: difference of whether you're using the Helios or the SSL per se, yeah. And, <laughs> and no, it's not I, like they're going to come back to you and go, Damn it, you should have used the SSL on this. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah,
1: <laughs> right. No, I, I mean, that, that that's true because I, I don't think anybody's come back to Chris Lord Geology and said, Like, uh, oh, we kind of wish you would have done this on a Neve instead, you, you know, right? know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. um, uh, so, so it's that, uh first episode we ever did like know your gear and be comfortable using that that's then right. before you start thinking about okay well maybe i can get a better result from uh api or whatever happens to be but, but um the the uh sort of like the, the overarching thing there i guess is sort of like narrow band type of stuff to uh fix issues a lot of times and perhaps a little broader strokes um if you're sweetening things yeah. um but that's assuming that we're we're still in the ballpark of where we want to be at the tracking stage, kind of thing. Right. Um, now, what about compression or limiting, anything like that that you might do
0: on your on your parts? Generally speaking, if it's an electric guitar arrangement, mm-hmm. and it's got distortion, yeah, more often than not, there is no compression, no limiting, yeah. No. There's not a
1: whole lot of dynamics there anyway. Or no,
0: there. <laughs> very often the, the whole concept of distortion is its own compression in and of itself. So there's really not a massive need for it. Yeah. So uh, if you're layering in acoustic guitars and clean guitars, then there's possibly the need for compression. But very often I don't generally compress guitars. Yeah, Not a whole lot. Acoustic guitars, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Clean guitars, yeah, a little bit. It depends on how much of the body of the instrument needs to come through.
1: Okay. So you're almost using a compressor, in this case, for its uh, EQ qualities, almost. I mean, you said you you want the body to come through. Well,
0: meaning that if like on acoustic guitar sounds and uh, a clean electric sounds, a lot of the time, most of what you're getting out of that signal is the attack. Yeah. So you, the body tails off pretty quick, unlike with distortion where the body kind of hangs around for a bit because the whole idea of distortion is oh, moving up the thing. So when I'm going to go use compression or limiting on... Guitars. it's more often than not, it's going to be on a clean or an acoustic sound to help bring that body back up into the signal, so to speak, and not sure. just be the full-on front-end attack of the signal if it needs to be there. Now, that being said that's completely backwards. I would not EQ before I compress unless there's something that I want the compressor to not react to. Then I might EQ that, but that becomes a fixing thing where I'm EQing something out before I'm compressing it. And then I would EQ again on the backside, but more often than not, I don't have those issues with the tracks that I'm working with. So I don't EQ prior to the compression. I would compress first, then EQ if I'm going to compress at all.
1: Right. Yeah. No, it's a I think uh like you said, an acoustic guitar, depending on what it is, or if it's either if it's a strumming type of a part or if it's more of an arpeggiated part or something like that, um, it can make that sit a little bit better, just kind of even out the levels there a little bit and, and make it a little bit fuller sounding. So okay. um what what kind of I mean, I know you're a big fan of like the LA two A type of Compressor is that sure. that would be your go to
0: on that as well, or mm, again, vibe of the song is heavily dependent upon the program of what I'm doing. Um, yeah, let's say if you have a strummy, uh, a strummy kind power. of thing where it isn't like constant needs of attacks, then I'd probably throw an LA2A or a Fairchild. Uh, yeah, how much would you
1: take off then?
0: Two, I know program two dependent, d- but. program dependent, but more often than not, it's not more than two, three dB at max. It's yeah. not much. Yeah, it's It's not Tickling that a little bit. Tickling, tickling. Tickling it, it. (laughs) yes, yes, yes.
1: Um, Okay, and uh, we could obviously do things where um, we're compressing to, to, let's say, we're dealing with one part where I might compress a little bit more than I normally would, Mm. would be if um, I have a part where we mentioned in the last episode as well, where we want this sort of um, delay rhythmic effect happening, like a U2 kind of thing, um, where I want that to be really nice and level. So I, I hear that the repeats and the the actual notes are going to be sounded like just like one steady stream of notes type of thing where, um, program dependent, program dependent. Yep. Cheers. Um, but that would be one where, where I would definitely work with that to make that sit. And the same thing, if I'm using a, um, Acoustic guitar where I'm doing that thing. We talked about when it's a supporting role for like a driving eighth note type of a thing or whatever happens to be. Mm-hmm. I want that just to be like machine gun steady kind of a thing gotcha. where, where it's uh, it's not necessarily going to be a super pretty part by itself. Sure. But uh, nobody's ever going to hear it in isolation unless <laughs> we do a demo here, which actually I think is probably a good um, idea to bring up. I think for this... Two Minute Tuesday. I think you should show that um the theme song
0: that I created. That yeah,
1: that you created okay. to kind of show how you kind of layered that. I
0: think that would be interesting yep. to see. I could do yep. that. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so next well a little bit. So essentially what you're saying is is that mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this two minute Tuesday. I'm gonna show yeah. how I layered a bunch of guitars for it. And how I used any EQ compression on those guitars, Mm -hmm. right? Cool. Mm -hmm. So rather than feeling compressed all the time, like we tend to do when we have to do this, we're going to have a word from our sponsor. So we're going to start talking about bussing those guitars now.
1: Yes. And the uh, guitar type of thing that I mentioned there, if I have that delay thing going on, Mm -hmm. um, that would be, one way I would certainly do a bus thing on that. So I wouldn't necessarily use, um, let's say a compressor on the, the, the dry guitar track itself. And then on the delay, right. I might, even I might actually do a little bit on, on the guitar, but then I would send both of those to uh, a bus. So I would treat that as sort of like one instrument where I have, um, the dry signal and the delay feeding a bus. And I might add a little bit of compression on that as well. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not slamming stuff here, but um, just to kind of even everything out there. Right. Uh, that would be one thing. Um, another thing I might do is um, bust sort of the main guitars just to a fader, not necessarily for any processing, but just so I have, if I have you know, let's say that these are multi-track guitars that we're talking about here, layering, uh, instead of having to um, automate six or eight tracks, I'm just worried about a fader yep. on the aux there to kind of do that. Um, so those were be the first two that leap to mind here, why I might use bussing when I get into this kind of stuff as well.
0: Gotcha, man. What, what about you? I tend to do a couple of different things. And again, this is program dependent. Cheers. Cheers. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. Essentially, if it's a whole lot of electric guitars, generally speaking, they're all going to be their individual tracks. They'll have their individual bits of whatever. And then they will be all bussed to a guitar bus, like a guitar stem yeah. bus. And On that bus, I might do a final bit of EQ. I might do a little bit of compression or limiting on that bus in and of itself to kind of glue all those instruments to one kind of grouping. And if I do do that, it's the compression or limiting first and then the EQ second on that bus. That being said, sometimes when I'm layering acoustic guitars with electric guitars, And I have recorded that acoustic guitar with more than one channel, Mm -hmm. meaning that it might be a mic and a direct or two mics or two mics and a direct, which would be kind of crazy. But I've done it. I will bust those three together, those two or three tracks of acoustic guitar of the same guitar using multiple inputs to one bus inside that then goes bust to the main guitar bus as well. So it'd be double bust, yeah. so to speak. Right. Almost yeah. like a UK double decker. Um, yes. And I will treat the acoustic guitar bus with whatever it needs, and then it will get the overall treatment from the entire bus arrangement of all the guitars, which generally, again, I don't do a whole lot of compression in that regard uh, just because most often with the electric guitars, you don't need it unless something, as you're saying, needs to be machine gun perfect or accurate or whatever, and then you might clamp on something. But it becomes a choice of program dependent.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah no, I, I agree with that and it's just um an easier manageable mix, yes, when you're sitting with that and uh, easier manageable yeah so um but
0: now, it, yeah, go ahead. Well, when we get into this point where you're starting to hear everything kind of working together and you're getting into the song at this point, <clears throat> you might find that certain parts that you actually recorded, no longer fit what's going on because you've got all these different elements playing against each other at this point, and you didn't plan perfectly. Because whoever does, um, you're going to come across parts that may no longer work. And at this point, you have to make that producer hat decision to say, "Sayonara,
1: you're yep. a beautiful part, the,
0: but you're not needed now." Got to give it the Spanish, orchard. <laughs> gotta, <laughs> the Spanish <elbow>. Archer. Got to The elbow. Yeah, okay. you got to get rid of it. Yeah, so it might come down to the fact that you've now EQ'd it, you've compressed it, you've got it going in, doing whatever it is that you're doing within your mix, and you find that the rhythm of it might be clashing with something else in the song, and yanky Wanky it comes out, or <clears throat> maybe it's just not having the Thor's hammer impact that you wanted. Yeah, and so
1: yeah, no, you it, lose it, it, it. absolutely, yeah, and it's um. Those can be rough decisions, like we said before, but they are important <laughs> ones. So they are. Just because you recorded it doesn't mean that it has to stay in the final mix. Yeah. If it's, uh, if it's we, not.
0: Was there a story like in one of the earlier episodes about Evan and Jaron? Yeah. You told that story. Did I? So are you yeah. sure? Yes. Okay. Then yes. I'm not going to repeat it now. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> got to go back and listen to it. Got to go episode, back and listen to that episode yeah. and yeah. watch
0: that. That might be an episode of like, oh, it didn't actually happen. We talked about it outside of recording.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure you mentioned it. Yeah, okay. but but we talked about that. But yeah. but don't get married to parts, right? Um, ah, exactly. Even if that's your only creative contribution to the track. It doesn't mean that it's always a good
0: one. So. It's nothing personal. It's all about yeah, and the it song. and it
1: could be yeah, and it could be oh, it's a great idea, but it just doesn't work in this case. That's you know? right. Uh, you you hide you it know?
0: away and you put it somewhere else.
1: Right, and you have to consider, or what I would consider anyway, is like the hierarchy of importance in the song. Let's say, for example, like oh, the guitar part is, sounds really really cool, but now it's having an issue with the vocal. Mm. Well, the vocal is going to win you know, so, um, you know, you got to get rid of the guitar part, unless nice. you're certain guitar players that we won't name, but, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, wouldn't be a Swede, yeah. would it? No, uh, it might be. Um, so yes, there, ha- however, I have had an issue in one particular mix that drove me absolutely batty and it had everything to do with how we would get- guitar sound was reacting to one particular cymbal hit. Wow. It was crazy. It was creating this bizarre dissonance in the song where the chord just sounded wrong, but it was the right chord. The guitar was playing it correctly. And the guitar was imperative that it needed to be there. And it was the cymbal hit. So I ended up having to do a very, very minute, quick EQ Cut of a symbol. Wow. To yeah. avoid the dissonance that it was creating on one particular chord hit on a guitar. That's crazy. <laughs> yes. That's so crazy. So sometimes yeah. it's not the guitar, but when we're when it is the guitar, yeah, you you lose it. You yeah. lose it. It it's, It, has it, to it go. doesn't need to be. Yeah.
1: There. Right. And um, so all these concepts that, that we've talked about here again, I just want to reiterate that. W- at least out of my mouth um, I end up talking about rock and things um, a lot but, but these are not just concepts that are just for for rock stuff right mm, it, rock right. or metal the, the, the same concepts apply to whatever whatever guitar style you're, you're oriented playing. track
0: you're doing it could be Americana it could be country it could be bluegrass it don't matter yeah same thing uh, so let
1: prior. You know, let, let the style of music that you're doing determine what what uh what should stay you and what go should about, go. What should go and also how you kind of place things. And of course you can push things a little bit here and there, but like if I think we mentioned in a prior episode here, um it's okay to push boundaries, but if you're pushing too far, you might get some pushback from <laughs> that your audience, you know. So um yeah. Stay in what what's What's going to sound cool for what you're doing there? And uh,
0: all of these tips and tricks will work. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I think we're going to wrap a little bow on this and we're going to say, tune in next week for part number four. Yay. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, Chris, and all of you out there and inside the recording studio land.